The antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck.
Thanks for coming to The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. We're back for round two. Last week, we got into the history of fine china, which began in the mid-90s. Tonight, we're going to pick up where we left off and discover why fine china disappeared from the music scene until 2015 for the release of a new single titled Every Nerve Alert. That was the song that led off tonight's show. We'll also hear from frontman Rob Witham about how his faith filters into the music of fine china and how the band's style has grown and evolved to include New Age influences. Let's jump into the Antidote's conversation with Rob and hear what brought about the band's long hiatus, along with the song Anybody Else. It's a huge pleasure to have Rob Witham of Fine China come to the Antidote for a chat. I really appreciate you taking time to come to the show, Rob. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. After the Jaws of Life, Rob, you put up a post on the band's website saying, After nine years of being and doing Fine China, the day has come to call it quits. We are burnt out, we are tired, we are ready to move on to the next stage in our lives. (laughs) But I guess you guys must have healed because 12 years later you came back to record the Not Thrilled album. Why did you want to jump back into the music game? That's a good question. Um... So I had done, after we disbanded Fine China, I had continued to do some music. Um, I had a, I did a project with Ronnie Martin from Joy Electric called The Foxglove Hunt, which kind of maybe was like 2007 to 2009, maybe, or something. We did a, a, an album and a little EP single thing. So I was, I was kind of continuing. It's not like I just stopped doing music, but definitely not at the same kind of level and intensity as before. But... I don't know, sometime in like 2016, maybe, or seven, probably 2000. Well, no, I actually would trace it somewhat back to 2015. We had had a, we did a reunion show around the 10 year anniversary of the Jaws of Life release in 2015, or the label that we put that out on kind of had that idea and uh, suggested that we do it. And we were like, yeah, that sounds fun. So we got together and rehearsed a bunch, you know and uh, mm-hmm. prepared for that. And it was a really fun, good show. So I had, I had kind of started to think, okay, maybe, maybe we could do another record. And uh, we had just moved into a new house, my wife and I and our kids, and it actually had a space for a studio, which I'd never really had before. Mm. Had a, like a guest, like a guest house space. And so I was just kind of starting to get into doing some of my own recording and kind of figuring out how to track at home and stuff. That coupled with just doing that reunion show, I think, made me realize, okay, I could probably do this and take my time. You know, we didn't really have the luxury of paying a bunch of money to go back into a studio because we didn't have a label that we were working with. And so it made sense at that time because I actually could think about maybe trying to record it at home. And uh, that's just kind of how it started. I started with just a bunch of demos and different songs, and it just kind of started to take shape like records often do. And, uh, you know, I worked on it for probably a year just in bits and pieces, you know, a little bit almost every day of the week going in there early in the morning or late at night and just piecing things together. And Mm. lo and behold, we had a record at some point and we, I decided to talk to Jeff cloud of velvet blue music and see if he was interested in putting it out since we never got to actually put out our full length with him, you know, years and years earlier. And he was really excited about it. And so he kind of got behind it and that, that always helps me to know it's going to come out and there's a little bit of a deadline and a, and some, some dollars riding on getting it done. So that helped get me over the finish line and make sure that I actually finished all the songs and the recording and kind of went from there. 
Not Thrilled had a brilliant opener called Anybody Else. What was it with that? You wanted to start the new album off with a bang? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, that was maybe one of the earlier ones that I had started to write and demo out. And uh, what I always try to do with a track one on an album is try to find a track that kind of tells you what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, a good first track is like, okay, this is what they're they're doing on this record. You know, you kind of, you hear it uh, the first time and it kind of gives you a little glimpse. And so I felt like that song kind of did that. It, it told you what the sound template was going to be. It had like a ridiculous guitar solo on it. It had like, you know, all it had some ambience maybe that was different from what we had had before, uh, but also was kind of a classic Fine China song. So yeah, it just felt like a really perfect like track one to me.
Something else about Not Thrilled is that it has a song that I haven't figured out. It speaks of searching for a deeper faith, but I was curious as to why you titled the song The Hymnal 1982. Well, the Hymnal 1982 is actually a hymnal uh, that at a church I used to go to, we had that thing. So it was actually, if you, you know, you're sitting in the pew and the hymnal and the little hymnal holder in front of you says on it, the Hymnal 1982, and I always thought it was just like the coolest hymnal title ever. And I, I just loved looking at it. And uh, so I, I had that in my back pocket for years as a song title. And uh, yeah, th- then the song, it's just kind of like attached itself to that song um, which is probably more, more of a real song for me. You know, it, it is getting into some stuff about my childhood and if it seemed to make sense, you know, remembering seeing that hymnal and like even the year it was probably, you know, a, a year in my childhood. So yeah, I don't know. It, the title attached itself to the song and it just made sense.
The hymnal 1982 is still being used in the Episcopal Church, and that's what inspired our last song. I asked Rob about a new music style that was found on 2022's Trees at Night, and we'll hear the title track. I have to say that there is one constant with Fine China. The band seems to enjoy changing its style. You know, it's never overt, but it does happen. Is this evolution or intentional? Well, it's, yeah, it's intentional. I think that's probably been more pronounced in the last few years with some of the weirder kind of instrumental stuff that I've done. I kind of got to a point where I, I used to really labor to make sure things fit really well into the template of like fine China, you know, cause mm-hmm. I love bands that are, I've always loved bands that are really consistent, you know, in their sound and they don't really, they don't evolve, but they kind of progress within what they are. I always loved that. Like there's a lot of bands that do that really well. Um, but I also got to a point where I just wanted to find out what would happen if I just literally removed the filter and was like, I'm just going to do some stuff that's really different and, uh, just like follow it and not worry about it and then just put it out. (laughs) And so that's kind of what the trees at night single that had a couple instrumentals. And then the, the recent, um, eyes, eyes in the water was kind of the same thing, just kind of taking off the filter. It still sounds very much like stuff that I write, you know, and it's definitely infused by that, but it's very, it's very different. And I wanted to allow it to be, uh, to be different and just see what would happen. (laughs) Did any of those changes come about because of some of the producers Fine China has had? As you've already mentioned, you've had both Jason Martin of Starflyer 59 and Ronnie Martin of Joy Electric as producers on different albums. Mm -hmm. And you can hear their own music styles coming into your songs. You were okay with that. Yeah, especially in the early days of the band, when somebody that you really like and look up to you know, wants to produce you, the last thing you're going to do when you're like a 19 year old is like argue with them. <laughs> you're just like, <laughs> you're just excited that they want to work with you. And so that definitely with Ronnie, you know, he had a pretty big mark on when the world sings and we were fine with that. Uh, we liked working with him and we liked that part of his sound was kind of part of us there. It didn't bother us, you know, and then we were, when we recorded the next album with Jason, we, we knew that we wanted to not do an electronic record. We knew that we wanted this to sound like the band sounded live and be much more of a guitar record. And Jason obviously is, that's more his kind of approach to his music. So that made a lot of sense, but you get some of his sound in there as well. But when we, when we did the Jaws of Life, that was the first time that we had ever just produced it kind of ourselves. And so that's when I think you start to hear what our band actually sounds like, mm-hmm. um, you know, without kind of the colorization of somebody else on it. And that just has kind of continued as uh, I've been more directly involved in the actual production on everything since that point. It's just, it sounds more like fine China. And then, you know, I've allowed it to kind of go in some weird places just because, I don't know, you get old and bored with stuff and want to see what will happen. So, <laughs> this is Rob Witham, and you're listening to Fine China on the Antidote.
You mentioned a little bit earlier about Flying China coming back into Velvet Blue music. The thing is, with the latest releases through them, you got a big change coming out, which is instrumentals. What kind of a story are the songs telling? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, so the Trees at Night one, I had started to write around, I don't know, 2019, 2020, some weird instrumental stuff. And I just had a bunch of them like on my computer that I didn't know what to do with. And that was when I kind of hatched the idea, okay, what if I did a, a race, like a single that had, that was really long, that had like an A side with a kind of more of a regular song, but still the song kind of tells you, Hey, something else is going on here. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of really just like wacko, like new age kind of jams. And then, then I had this idea for just doing like a 14 minute long, just song that was kind of almost like watching a movie or something. And I worked on that thing forever. Who knows if it even came out good. Um, but uh, I was I was excited about it. I was excited about just to try something new and just to see what would happen. Even I kind of figured what would happen, which I think is what's happened. You kind of try something like that and then you pull back after kind of to more of what you've done before. But that you're never really the same after that either. You're kind of you've become something different and more than what you used to be. But you're still back to who you were. So that's kind of what I thought would happen and, and hoped that by expanding our sound a little bit, we would kind of snap back, but be better. So who knows if that happened, but I'm hoping it did. Probably the most unusual thing about the Trees at 90P is that you share audio samples from nature. Where did you get that idea? Well, I'm not the first one to do it. There, I listened to a lot of albums when I was a kid that my parents had like records of these kind of weird new age albums. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the first time that I heard, I heard like recordings that had like you know crickets or like you know whatever rain. And I always liked it as a kid. For I don't know why I was always drawn to it. It always just was like it was something that I liked. And uh, I had never really thought about doing it just until I started kind of writing these instrumentals. And I just sort of naturally thought that would make sense to maybe bring some of these ambient like nature sounds in. And so I just started messing with it and recording some of my own sounds and finding some clips and then you know modifying them and kind of going down that rabbit hole and uh, just started attaching them to songs and i kind of liked it
we heard a slightly shortened version of the epic-length Eyes at Dawn. What a dreamy, beautiful track. And that's not the only Fine China song that comes across as dreamy. Let's hear from Rob about Maybe, Maybe Not. Okay, you were telling me about your parents. How did they feel about your music? Oh, they were always super supportive. They, uh, especially my mom. My mom was a musician and uh, always sort of required that I do music as a kid. You know, it was just like a foregone conclusion that you would play something and you would take lessons and you'd be involved in music. And then she was always super supportive of whatever I did musically just because she, she loved music. So, yeah, I was always... So I something that was encouraged and my parents were always really kind about my records. They probably didn't like some of it and and were and lied to me and said they did, but that's what parents are supposed to do, right? Well, they had to like the crickets on your song because well, they revealed that to you. Unfortunately, both of my parents passed before they could hear the crickets, so they never got to hear that part. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Last fall, Fine China released its latest Eyes in the Water. I've seen it described as mesmerizing and dreamy, and I really do think that's pretty accurate. I mean, a few of the album's instrumentals, like Maybe, Maybe Not, could even help send you to sleep. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Sometimes uh, I like to fall asleep to stuff like that, so I wanted to try to do something that was more immersive, something that would pull you in, that you could kind of live in and and uh, evaporate in a little bit, which is different from pop music where you're kind of more engaged in it and it's driving you ahead and giving you energy. I kind of want to do the opposite of that for a little bit and then maybe mix it together a, l- a little bit too. Like, like pop music that has a really, really strong ambient side to it, which you don't really find a whole lot. Usually bands kind of go one way or another.
instrumentals have brought a significant change in style for fine china. Personally, I think it's a great move because every artist should be able to create what they want and not just what the market dictates. It's that old saying of being true to yourself. On the next episode of The Antidote, we meet with a band who has a story somewhat similar to tonight's guest. Names Without Numbers began at the turn of the century recording a single excellent album, then closed up and it took almost two decades for the band to return. And they've returned with a vengeance, releasing all kinds of great new music. Hear the songs and the story next week. Here's another reminder. You can tune in The Antidote multiple times each week, twice on Mondays online through 3R Radio at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. EST. Our latest episode premieres on Trent Radio, 92.7 FM in Peterborough, Ontario. Every Friday and Saturday at 9 p.m., you can get into the latest from The Antidote on Michigan's Z Radio The Mix. Saturdays at 10 p.m. Pacific, find The Antidote on all 65 stations found on the Effect Radio Network. So we do have a tiny bit more to hear from Rob Witham. Then the title track from Fine China's Eyes in the Water release. Thanks for coming to The Antidote, and we'll see you again next week. Here's a final song to ask about, and then I'm going to let you get back to actually having a day to yourself. Hey, well, no, that's good. The title track, Eyes in the Water, the lyrics say, Heart was failing, I was praying for a way to weather this one out, to shelter underneath some cover. Now, I know you say sometimes the lyrics are just a last-minute thing, but how about for you personally, Rob? How do you weather the storms? Well, there's always, yeah, the older you get and you have a family and children and a, and a job, like when you hit middle age, things kind of get a little bit more real uh, than they maybe have in the past, at least they did for me, in terms of like stress and anxiety and a lot of that in probably the last 10 years of my life have had some pretty difficult circumstances and things that have happened that have, that have felt a lot like trying to weather a storm. And so, yeah, I mean, part of the way we do that as people is like finding places to go. And for me, like music and writing music is a big one of those. It kind of helps me like work stuff out and, you know, it's not an intentional thing, but just doing music, going into my studio you know, working on my tracks every day really helps me a lot. And so I just try to do that as much as I can because it's, uh, it's good for my soul. And here I am creating more stress for you by having you have to talk to me all this time. Oh, no, you're, you're good, man. No, you're good. So Fine China burnt out years ago. Are you going to promise me that that's not going to happen again? No, not really. We pop up and then we go away for a little bit and we might pop up again. We should have a new album coming out late this year, I hope. We have a a bunch of songs that I'm working on, so we're not dead yet. That's sweet. I got to thank you for this talk, Rob. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Dave.
Yeah.